0: Welcome to the Modern Hippie Podcast, where we'll be exploring all of my favorite boundary-pushing people and topics surrounding consciousness, psychedelics, mental performance, functional medicine, living in alignment, and so much more. I'm your host, Barrett Perlman, a former pro-wakeboarder turned bodyworker, energy healer, and well, a modern hippie. And I'm so glad you're here. Are you struggling to integrate your plant medicine or psychedelic experiences? Do you feel alone in your journey towards healing and self-discovery? It's time to discover the sacred integration tribe. Our online membership community is dedicated to bringing people together to share their experiences and support one another on their healing journey. With access to a wide range of resources, including weekly expert guidance on live integration calls with me, Barrett Perlman guest hosts, integration materials released monthly, and heart-centered peer support, you can finally find the tribe you've been searching for. Join Sacred Integration Tribe today at www.SacredIntegrationTribe.com and discover the power of community on your path towards healing and personal growth. Again, that's SacredIntegrationTribe.com. Welcome back to the Modern Hippie Podcast podcast. I am joined today by Sabri Gazel, who is an intuitive guide, thought sharer, and host of the Lost and Found podcast. Sabri now follows his calling to help guide others to find a sense of wholeness through reclaiming the disowned parts of oneself and becoming who they were born to be through his one-on-one guidance and self-discovery school. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sabri.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, I'm really excited
0: yeah same. So you and I met because Hamilton was on your podcast and yeah. uh, so then you and I sort of got connected and we're like we should we should probably know each other.
1: And um, yeah, it was um it was really lovely having that conversation with him and I think sometimes you know when you feel a connection with someone and what they're about, then you see kind of people that they know and it just mm. always feels like a goods entry point to say hey like let's connect
0: yeah especially Hamilton's circle I mean I he's a mentor and good friend of mine and so I'm always paying attention to who he's um affiliating with and following them and checking out his and his podcast episodes are always just so so wonderful the cosmic shaman battles and the things he's been through um kind of blow my mind
1: yeah, it's uh, it's wild, and um, I'm looking to go out to to see him in June at Ooh, Blue so Fantastic.
0: That's well, yeah. you and I should meet in person then, because I'm also planning for the 12-day the June-July. Oh, wow.
1: We, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh. How exciting. Of course, of course that's going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And have you done ayahuasca before?
1: Yes. So the first time I did it was seven years ago and the most recent time was January.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah. So that, there... was, that was my fifth journey on, on in January.
0: Oh, great. Are you able to find it over there in Europe or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a shaman here that I've done all of mine with. Uh, and she'll actually travel up from London, which is about 100 miles away from me. Mm. Uh, and actually, this most recent one, she actually came to my home, and we kind of just did it in in my living room. And I had a few other people over, and she held the ceremony here, which was actually really quite nice. Just because I could really kind of just feel settled in. Where my house is positioned, it's, it's quite peaceful. So,
0: mm. God, that sounds amazing. My um, I got to do a ceremony in January with Hamilton at his house. And so it was just me, Hamilton, and two other people um, who mm. h- helped run the ceremonies, and that was one of the most incredible experiences of my life because, like, you get to talk during ceremony. It wasn't so strict that like we're conducting yeah. this orchestra for the whole room to heal. Um, it was, it was more of him like being on the couch and being like, "Hey, Barrett, how's it going over there?" And I'd be like, <laughs> "Well." <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you what I'm seeing right now, and he'd be like, "Okay, you need to do this, this, and this, and I'd be like real time feedback this is amazing,
1: oh wow,
0: such a unique opportunity,
1: yeah, so when did your kind of journey with plant medicine begin
0: i i well, I feel like I started I did my first mushroom journey when I was like eighteen years old, so like eighteen years ago um but it Interestingly, what I discovered then was that I wanted to separate from everyone and I wanted to be in this room by myself with my eyes closed and I was having these incredible visuals that were changing how I was thinking about the world. But the people I were with were so concerned I was going to have a bad trip, they wouldn't let me sit in this back bedroom by myself. Every time I would like sneak away and go back there within five minutes, someone would be like, you have to come out. And I was like, no. Um So it really started more like six years ago with, um, yeah, a time when I was feeling really low and and ready to kill myself. And I, um, had these mushrooms and I hadn't taken mushrooms since I was 18 and, um, took them just on a hope and a prayer that something might change. And sure enough, got this incredible download of, uh, consciousness walking me through how to love myself for the very first time in my entire life. And, um, From there, I was like, what's going on with these mushrooms? And um, began to take them more regularly and set time aside every month to take them by myself in my bedroom. And I would oftentimes just lay in bed and close my eyes and see what I would see and enjoy how my my problems were being reframed and healing and integrating after that. And um, I started to become a happier, healthier person And so, yeah, like seven years ago, I was not the person that you see in front of you today. And I have psilocybin specifically to thank for that. But I think I first sat with ayahuasca maybe five years ago. Um, And then again, maybe three years ago. And then I just went to Peru in September for a month. And I sat with it five times while I was there. Once with a, a medicine man who led my tour, and then four days with Hamilton, in um in the Amazon. And so then I was wow. hooked because the first time I saw Hamilton on um the Aubrey Marcus podcast, I was like, who is this person? I need I need this person to mentor me, to teach me, to help me figure out how to better walk these astral dimensions myself so I can bring that knowledge into my work with my clients. And um it's really kind of all panned out. Like he he was so tapped into the matrix that I added him on Instagram and I was like, I'll figure out tomorrow how to ask him to be on my podcast. And I woke up the next day and he was already in my DMs being like, hey, I'd love to interview you on your podcast. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> so yeah. When did yours begin?
1: So yeah, interestingly for me, I'd never had a state altering drug outside of alcohol Mm. until i was 28 and my first experience of a state-altering drug again outside of alcohol was ayahuasca Mm. uh, which was interesting (laughs) (laughs) it's a big jump (laughs) and i remember you know i hadn't i hadn't smoked weed like anything so i remember speaking to someone at the gym as in the sauna and this was someone who'd done kind of all the drugs except uh ayahuasca I want to say all the drugs I mean like all the psychedelics you know mm-hmm. and um I feel like I have to say that because sometimes I feel like the term drug has maybe some negative connotation but you know what I mean and yeah. um and I, and I was saying like yeah I'm I'm gonna do ayahuasca he's like all oh, right what other things have you done before and I said nothing, and the guy almost fell off his seat. <laughs> he was like, "What's well, <laughs> the first thing you do?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah," <laughs> um, and yeah, it 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 was it was really wild. Um, I, I mean, every time I've done it, actually, except the fourth time, which was interesting because it gave me something completely different. But every other time, apart from that, really, really p- profound, strong visions, um, full, you know off we go into another dimension mm. and some repeated things, but I, I've always found that I've managed to navigate. I've managed to navigate it really well. Like there's something within me that seemed to understand or kind of get the lessons that I needed to navigate the journey. Um, well, mm. I, mean, I I was you know, kind of sharing this with Hamilton on my first one. It went from, you know, kind of seeing like, you know, I'm in the kaleidoscope. So I mean seeing all the geometric shapes, and I'm seeing like snakes come towards me and teeth. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Mm. And then these two demonic entities. And it didn't matter if my eyes were closed or open, there they were. Mm. And and at the time, I guess this was like my my frame was okay. I guess I've got to fight these things. Oh, and um, so then all of a sudden, I was in like almost like a coliseum, like a battleground. Like, froom, I was there, I was like, all right, and there's these two demonic entities, and I was like, all right, let's go. And um, and then it's like I paused and I kind of like tilted my head and looked closer. And then I noticed what made them demonic. It was, it was pain. Mm. It was, what I was seeing was their pain. And then I had this realization of, oh, these things need love. They don't need fighting. They need love. And then I just felt like this deep sense, like deep sense of love for them. And they just went. (laughs) And away they went. And then, I was looking around the room at the the shaman and one of the guys I was helping facilitate. And it's like, I could see like how they looked was completely different. Like one of them looked like weathered, almost like an old tree. And it's like, I could see their pain and I could see like what they'd been through and I could see it was, it was really interesting. Just this kind of idea of, you know, sometimes when we see behaviors and people behave in a certain way, whether it might be anger or jealousy or bitterness or whatever it might be, but it's like, oh, that's there because of some type of pain. Mm -hmm. And the currency to to neutralize that is not more of what they're projecting out, it's love. And that Mm -hmm. was like the kind of resounding message of, no, no, like love is the currency that they need. That's the thing that's been missing, offer love. So that was pretty powerful. Um, yeah um and, and, and in that first one I mean i was I, I i could see like mathematical equations on the walls and I'm seeing sound waves travel towards me and um it's like a I could think of everything that had ever happened in my life and it just felt perfect it's like i under, it's like i just understood why everything mm. had to happen the exact way that it did. And it made so much sense. And I felt so much gratitude for everything, for the stuff that I would have labeled, you know, bad or difficult or or trying. And it just made, it made so much sense. And I just, mm. I got it. And I felt the most kind of loving, blissful feeling for like the next maybe like five hours.
0: Mm. I love that. And I love <clears throat> that you sort of had that discovery of, of love as the tool, as the weapon. Um, that's something that's really come to light for me in my life as well. That, you know, I have, I have this Arcturian lineage as well, I guess that um, and the major tool they use is, is love to alchemize everything, but it's become very apparent to me in my life that, exactly like what you were describing that these, these pain, these beings in pain can be alchemized with love. And I think a lot in that realm as well is, um, alchemy through love. And that's like what Hamilton teaches is to send, send rainbows, but send love and, um, to be able to tackle and conquer those sorts of things. And I find that just so applicable to, Most things that we go through in life, like most people just need compassion and love. And um, I know like I drive through traffic and I feel like the only one out there who's sending love to every single person who cuts me off, excuse me. And so I'll be driving around and, you know, someone will take a light that cuts me off and I'm like, oh, I guess they must have really needed that. I send them so much love for whatever their situation is that they had to do that. And um, it's a different way of of going through the world. But I think um, also I, what I honor is that in that ayahuasca space, I hear a lot of similar stories from people about being in the moment and knowing almost exactly what to do to conquer what's in front of them or to navigate what's in front of them. And I think that's the beautiful intelligence of the plant medicine coming through. So I'm also curious – how far along were you on your self-development path? And did you already have a lot of tools in your toolkit for self-reflection um, when you got to your these ayahuasca journeys?
1: Yeah. Well, so I started listening to some of the kind of the OGs of self-development, uh, like Wayne Dyer, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Stephen Covey,
0: mm. Um
1: probably quite an unusually young age I was 14 um when I started listening I had a, a Wayne Dyer cassette, cassette tapes mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you know th- there was something that it called to me it called to me um you know I, I, it resonated with me and that, and it and it did for a reason um and I think that reason now, to me, I believe, is things both to do with things I experienced in this life, but I also think because of past life things as well. Mm. So, yeah, I was I was kind of heavily into, I would say, traditional self-developments from a young age. And it was interesting because I think a lot of traditional self-developments and this is kind of one of the things that I I find out, you know, work on with clients of people that, traditional self-development very often teaches like the path to salvation is through success and through mm-hmm. achievement and accomplishment and ultimately to build this dream life. It's kind of, that's kind of part of the dream. Like here's how you can achieve all the things that you want and it's Well, what part of me wants that?
0: Not the part that wants to be happy.
1: (laughs) Right? It's most people are trying to gain success and significance to supplement the feeling of lack of wholeness. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I really went along that far along that path. So I was it's kind of wild really it's it's been a roller coaster I feel like I've lived a few (laughs) lifetimes in this one lifetime (laughs)
0: Uh, I feel you
1: (laughs) and um you know I was like I was a pretty I was a pretty fat kid um Mm. I had like a 42 inch waist when I was 15 and I had really low self-esteem I didn't speak clearly I had a bit of a stammer Um, and just, I remember being maybe, you know, 13, that kind of age, maybe even younger, actually, come to think about it, maybe even younger, because I got into martial arts around that age. And I think this was pre-martial arts. I remember just thinking, like, I just wished I was anyone except me. Mm. And I, I remember being that age and just crying and just thinking, like, I didn't, for whatever reason, just how much I just didn't want to be me. I wished I was anyone else. Mm. And I think I got to a point where I came across self-development and I went from this place where in many ways felt like I was in hell. And I kind of saw that there was these tools that could get me out of hell. Mm. And that was, okay, how, how do I start to change my life and feel like I'm not a victim and feel like things aren't happening to me. And I start to, you know, grab it with both hands and start to make things happen and make things change. And I kind of got into the self-development through martial arts. Like it was one of the things that was kind of taught there. And I, I saw the instructors were like listening to these types of things. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do what they're doing. I'm gonna listen to to this stuff. And you know, I guess martial arts was the first thing that, you know, progressing through the belts and wanting to get to to black belt. From a very young age, I I felt drawn to coaching from from around 14. I, I wanted to like assist in the classes and help with the little kids' classes and hold pads. I just felt drawn to coaching and to kind of helping others. And actually martial arts was the first sport really that I just seemed to be, Or well, my first lesson I was kicking with good form at head height with power and my coach asked how long I'd been training like elsewhere and I said no this is my first class and he kind of didn't believe me and I've and I was terrible at all of the sports like I was just terrible (laughs) I couldn't play any like team sports but for whatever reason martial arts just made sense to me I could just kick well and I just picked things up really quickly and uh, I mean before I here in the UK we've well, actually, it's, it is older now, but then we've finished school at 16.
0: Oh, shit.
1: And yeah, um, but whilst I was still at school, so like when I was 15, I was training, I was training in 13 classes a week and I was helping assist in classes every single day. So I was just, it's all I was doing. I wasn't really bothered about schoolwork. It's, it's all I wanted to do at 16. And at this point, I, I was really unusually good for my age um I was teaching 23 classes a week when I left school
0: wow.
1: and, and and that's what I was doing and then I started training in the gym when I was 17 and even though I was training a load in martial arts I was still like I carried a lot of weight like I just uh although I think my family you know genetics do play a part um and also, my diet wasn't good. I didn't understand diet whatsoever. Mm. You know, I guess now it's more accessible to find out good information. And maybe also bad, but th- there's more access to it, <laughs> where it, and not quite so much. Um, and I started training in the gym. I started to see, like, some shifts in my body. And that led to, I mean, by the time I was I was 23, I'd, I had, like, I went from having a 42-inch waist to having maybe like a 30-inch waist with a 50-inch chest. I'd competed in bodybuilding when I was 23. Um, I opened a martial arts school when I was 21. I I was teaching full-time. Going back a little bit before then, I'm just trying to give like a whole picture of how I got to the plant medicine. But um, I, you know, when I was like a teenager, I genuinely had like a visceral fear response to the idea of speaking to women. Mm. Terrified, terrified. And it's just because of like how I viewed myself. And I I remember maybe being around 16 actually and, and thinking, genuinely thinking, I don't know if I will ever have a girlfriend. Like I can't ever imagine a woman being attracted to me. Really, really thinking that. And I remember like, you know, at the age where I, I'd think about going and speaking to a girl, and I, f- I would, I would have preferred to have a, a fight with a stranger. <laughs> uh, I would, I would I genuinely would feel more comfortable just having a fight than like going and saying hi to a girl that wow. I attracted attractive. Yeah, intense. <laughs> <Some> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really intense, and and then I kind of <clears> came <throat> across. Um, it was like an ebook called double your dating and it was a pseudonym of david his name was david d'angelo was a pseudonym of evan pagan who's was like a really high level internet marketer Mm. and i read this and it was all about like how you can be more attractive by how you behave and i was like oh this is interesting uh and then i i kind of found myself in like at the time what was kind of like an underground society of pickup artists and Mm -hmm. It was, it was kind of wild um, how it was like, I I would go out and then speak to women. It was off these like kind of canned lines. I'd read like, okay, I'll go and say this, this, okay, okay, let's go. And I'd go out and say these things, but like, it would be receptive. And I remember it was almost like this sense of imposter syndrome and like almost disbelief of like, oh my God, like my mindset was it's working like, it's nothing to do with me it's just it's just it it's the things that I'm saying mm. and I think because of this a mixture between that and then this idea of like a lot of the self-development of more is more achieve success, I eventually found myself in this state where I was like you know wanted to try to grow a business and um, I was you know training all the time and competing in bodybuilding and I actually got to the point where the dating have had gone to the other end of the spectrum where I almost had like this this real fuck boy lifestyle and is actually like an addiction because I gained so much validation from it and you know in reflection it's interesting because It's it's almost championed in society for a man to be able to have a lot of sexual partners. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of getting validation from peers or other men on one hand. And then on the other hand, I was getting validation myself because I guess I was still this underlying belief of, you know, kind of going back to the old belief of like believing... I couldn't ever imagine a woman being attracted to me. So there was this weird underlying thing behind it all where I was, I don't know, like each person that I would I would be with or be intimate with or sleep with almost felt like just like another little confirmation that I'm okay. Mm. But, I, but, I, but I still didn't believe it myself. Yeah. And actually I had a... A real fear of letting it go anything past just a sexual connection. I felt like, well, if they actually saw me beyond that, they would see who I really am, and then I'd be rejected. Mm. So it's almost like there was this thing happening that stopped me from having like deeper emotional connections. And I would say it wasn't until I met my daughter's uh, mother. When I was 27, I think. I think. I was 27. And, you know, we were in a relationship, but the amount of anxiety that came up for me, the amount of triggering that was happening, it was wild. And at the time, I didn't understand what was happening. And I remember feeling like all of the feelings that I had when I was maybe you know, 12, when I felt really self-loathing, they all seemed to come pouring back. Like this weird Mm. like time loop had happened where all of the stuff that I'd done, let's say from the age 17, 18 to 27, that decade, it's like I'd built this really tall building which was all based around achievement and significance. But I'd Built no foundation Mm. and it wasn't built on anything solid it was just masking and trying to go up away from ultimately the deep pain i felt of being me and those Mm. things just made me feel like i'm okay with them but ultimately what i can reflect on is that just me being me I felt like that. there was no way that was enough or okay. It had to be me plus whatever, plus being in great shape or like being successful or, you know, like maybe even intelligence. Um, You know, I, I felt like it always had to be, I had to offer something. Like just showing up as me wasn't okay. And I actually got to the point where I went through like a a dark night of the soul and it was really interesting because, um, you know, and the the relationship at the time uh, and we aren't together now, but we, we get on so well as as co-parents, my daughter's six now. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was, um, her kind of personality type would really, really press on some of my wounds from childhood. um, you know and I had like quite a tumultuous uh, childhood you could say um and and not in ways like it was weird really I mean like my dad was super loving but I don't think he knew how to handle his own emotions he had a lot of things going on he's very volatile very explosive um so it could be like lots of love one moment and then. Like, you are my son the next moment. And like, and it could go from one to the other like that. And so very confusing, Mm -hmm. uh, which led to what I now understand was like a disorganized or fearful avoidant attachment style. So which led to the me actually wanting love more than anything, but being terrified of it because of some of my, like, some of the patterns that I would associate to, to attachment and what it would mean and the amount of anxiety it would bring up for me. So it left intimate relationships being so confusing for me and actually really difficult to handle because it's like I couldn't figure out at the time, why? Like, why am I struggling so much with this? Why do I feel fucking terrified? And at times, some of the things that would come up, because she actually, you know, she she was, had a bit of a temper and was explosive at times and at times the feelings that would come up for me i remember there was a couple of times where i actually thought about hitting her and it wasn't through anger I, I could see it was actually i felt terrified and i felt like a scared child that almost felt like it needed to lash out like it was and i remember after thinking like what's going on like I, and i didn't have the level of insight then to really understand And I knew like I'd never, ever want to do it and and, and it never did happen. But I remember sometimes almost feeling like this visceral response, but it was, I felt fear. And at the time I didn't realize, oh, this is just triggering the things I experienced as a child where I felt fucking terrified. Hmm. And you look at the surface and you think, oh, it doesn't make sense. Like at the time I'm probably like... 220 pounds with abs or something and she's like you know five foot six <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it it doesn't make any logical sense but that's really how i felt and I, I remember feeling like why like why why are you being like this towards me please like it was almost like a please stop it's like my nervous system couldn't handle it
0: mm-hmm.
1: but again because i didn't have the insights that i do now i also didn't understand why it was happening and it really was like a dark night of the soul Type thing, and I remember, um, yeah, at the time I was out on the the motorway, as we say here, but the highway, and I was just driving. I was driving my car pretty fast. It was it was an Audi R eight, so they go pretty quick, and I, I I just kept thinking about driving off a motorway bridge. And I was just bawling my eyes out. I was bawling my eyes out driving because I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And I'm approaching this ramp. And like so much of me, of me was saying, I'm like, put my foot down more and more. And oh, I missed out a really pivotal part of this. Um, we, we'd only been together six months and it wasn't planned. She ended up falling pregnant. Mm. and i'm in this space where i'm struggling and then i find out she's pregnant also and it just felt like so much so much to have like i can't even figure out like what's going on for me and then this is happening and like and then she's all she's like there's all the extra emotion then that she's experiencing through pregnancy with with the hormone fluctuations and all of that and and the only thing that like at the time i just thought was like i know know i've got a child on the way and i think that was the only Mm. thing if i'm honest i kind of it was like a last second thing of like, no, I can't. And it, it was around that time that I then did ayahuasca for the first time. That's where I think mm. it began. And it's interesting because it, there's, there's this idea that we go through like life is in like seven year cycles. And at that point, I was 28. And that's when I'm about to turn 35. So I've had like a seven year cycle where i began a much deeper journey then of going okay it's time to go deep and i just knew i've got to go deep and find out what's going on here because i knew it wasn't healthy i knew it didn't make sense i knew i wasn't a bad person and i i felt so confused and i felt like i've got to figure this out what's going on and you know i think a lot of traditional self-development can really create a trap in ways because I think it takes you further and further away from what the actual sources of what's going on deeper. What parts of ourselves have we fragmented and abandoned and there's just so many parts of us that I just like in the shadow with the hands out saying, please, please just accept me in my whole, Please like mm-hmm. let me back. But I'd spent all that time thinking, oh, this is the way. Like, you know, like a hyperinflated kind of image of masculinity. And, you know, like the the sex life and success and how I looked. And really all the things that were making up for just how bad I felt about those areas of my life when I was younger. So it was really interesting that I almost had to have the building flattened. And then I had to go, right, before I try building again, let's go deep and start, let's start laying some foundations.
0: God, what a beautiful analogy for everything that you just put on the table. Um, there's so much to unpack there. And I really honor your your story, your process, and thank you for sharing that because I think that's something so many people are actually going through. And, um, you know, I, I see you and I too have had those moments of driving down the down the highway or over the bridge and just going, if I just turned the handle real quick, I could tap out. Yeah. And for me, it was my dog who you can kind of see behind me at the moment who, um, kept me, kept me here, my child. Um, but I, yeah, it's so many times we just want to dissociate from, those parts of us that bring us so much pain and to pretend like they don't exist. And then you sort of grow up and you wonder why you act out in these certain ways that are either a fear-based response an anger-based response an avoidant-based response. And we just want to slap more, like work harder, fill yourself with love, but like, sure you can fill with love and love is my tool, love is my weapon, but It took going deep into the darkness to be able to walk so much in the light and continuing to dabble. There's those lessons there that are, they're crunchy for lack of a better term. And, um, I also think that what you went through is a a common thread amongst men, um, not knowing how to handle those interpersonal relationships because maybe you didn't get what you needed at home or it was broken and the, the ways that you described. And then, you know, as women, we usually just want to love and then we're wondering why the person who's meeting us is so avoidant. And, um, you know, for instance, I tend to tend towards anxious attachment. Yeah. And I do wonder why I, I received so much love at home. And maybe that's why, like when it's not touching and when it's not good communication and when it's not. Um, clear answers and quality time and all the things that my parents gave me, I'm immediately unsecure, Um, you know, which has its own different challenges. And uh, yeah, I'm curious what you did then to, uh, well, I guess you turned to ayahuasca, which sort of brought you there, but what was the, what were the self-help things that you actually found beneficial to start reclaiming those parts of you.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting actually, because I suppose I finished the story seven years ago and Mm. a lot, the the (laughs) most has probably happened in the seven years since. Um, so, wow. Okay. So,
0: and I only say that because I think ayahuasca is the tool right? It's the tool yeah. that opens the doors to seeing other things, but then it's the integration and it's having access to these other modalities and ways of looking at what came up to to really heal yeah. and integrate those parts.
1: I I started going into some of the childhood stuff of making sense. I, I, I had like a guided session. And then after, maybe I'm fortunate enough that I can actually take myself there as well. And and now, I mean, I have, I have a whole different thing that happens now, but we can talk about that after, but at least then I could kind of um, um, guide myself through it a little bit where, you know, I, rem- I remember having, I'd have a memory of something that, for example, my dad had said and then it was like oh my god like i'd start crying i'd be like i know what that is i know what and and whilst like one of the big things of i always felt like um i had to compete with others in a way or be as good as others
0: mm.
1: and then i had this memory Ah, oh, bless him as well. My dad—he didn't know. He didn't know. He was just unconscious. And um, but I remember, like you know, I was—I was—I was a pretty chubby kid even as a young kid. And um, <laughs> I remember him, like one of my friends was over, who wasn't. And my dad said, like, "Oh, look at so and so. He hasn't got any fat on him. Why can't you be like that?"
0: Oh, dad.
1: And and I remember it. And it was almost like a like uh, what what's wrong with me, like and uh, and I can remember just I remember having the memory of it, even now as I say I still feel emotion around it. Um, but I remember at the time I had that memory and I just started crying. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like whoa, and you know it, it's little things like that which can then form the belief of, okay, why can't I be like that? Okay, I guess I need to be like that. Mm. I guess I need need to be like that. And and there were little things like that, that, you know, I just started kind of going into more of these childhood things of of remembering, remembering things that I'd completely forgotten. And I started to do some of that. And I would say when um, my daughter's, mother and I separated. Um, It was interesting because we had, it it was like, there was a lot of love and a lot of volatility in the relationship. And once we actually separated, I'd done ayahuasca once we were together and then I did it a second time when my daughter was six months old. And then a third time when she was one, so I did it I did it mm. once six months later, six months later, six months later uh, and at this point we'd actually separated um when I did my third uh, the third one um and then at this point, you know and since then really, from when we've probably been separated maybe three months or so. And I would say then from then we just had such a good co-parenting relationship. And it's like we could both just kind of let go of any of the volatility or the things that we had been through. Because we could sense neither one of us are doing this on person. It's not through malevolence. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we knew that at the time we just felt like from, you know, not looking at it in detail. It's like we just clashed. We just didn't fit for whatever reason. And now I kind of have a much better idea of what those reasons are. But, but that was enough. So um, I, I would say... If I'm honest, I then spent five years single. And actually, I was kind of working on me. And I thought, I'm there. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm good. Mm-hmm. Until I got into my next relationship. <laughs> and... um And it just started bringing up some of the similar stuff, but she's a very different character. So it wasn't, it wasn't the same dynamic, but there's still some of this like strong anxiety coming up. And I'm like, Oh my God, I thought I dealt with this. Come on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's when I really, and and this was nine months ago. And that's when I really started going like, okay, because now I feel like I had so much more awareness, so much more understanding, where I had done a lot of the deeper work. So I thought, and I had, but it's like, okay, but now this is like, this is taking me into the depths of the thing where I feel like it almost began, which is with attachments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I then found myself really going into understanding attachment style. I remember reading about um, a com- like common kind of, experiences for people with a disorganized or fearful avoidant attachment style and I was reading it and I was just oh man it was just opening me up crying because as I was reading it I was then remembering I was like oh my god yeah like like yes 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 I could just see all these things and it actually felt quite freeing I'm like oh okay it's not just me and that I'm fucked (laughs) Like, okay, okay. There's the, the actually something really tangible here is to there's a reason that I've always been hyper aware of like micro expressions and super vigilant because I've done that from a very young age of like monitoring, like is there explosive behavior about to happen? Mm. And just so many things that would make sense as to why I have this longing for, for love and acceptance and connection, but also massive fear around it. Um, and and why these things were coming up. And then from having that awareness, what would happen is I might still get some of this anxiety. And it was like the perfect storm of the person that I met. And I'll get back to this because there's a really wild story about this. But um, it's like the circumstances were kind of perfectly designed to trigger me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how the universe always works? It's like, here's your new curriculum.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So for example, like for me, Feeling um, attachment to someone. Because again, I mean, for five years I was single and I'd like go on dates, I'd meet women and I just wouldn't feel anything. Mm. And I'd be like, I think I, like, it probably seemed as though I was the most secure. didn't dating, it kind of seemed like I wasn't. It's because I didn't feel any attachment. So even if I was dating someone would not really have an attachment, it's like, do what you want, like super laid back, eat like... Sure. And, and I and, and I thought, like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I've, I've figured this out. Because I've been dating people. But there wasn't, like, a deep attachment there. So none of the the attachment stuff was coming up. Right. But I thought I, was all right. I thought, I was like, okay, I'm cool. I've got it. Like, and I felt, genuinely felt secure. Didn't feel any insecurity. Didn't question what anyone was doing. Like, none of that. Just felt completely at ease. And then... <laughs> I matched with this woman on Hinge and she'd sent me a message. I looked at her pictures and I was like, wow, okay, like, wow. Okay, like, she almost looked like my idea of what my ideal woman would look like.
0: Ooh, how wonderful
1: Right, and then I'm looking at the things that she's kind of into and I'm like, like, okay, this seems like this is interesting because I kind of find it hard to meet someone that meets me on a similar level with interests. That Mm -hmm. is also what I would say is like maybe my physical type as well. Right, And I was like, oh, okay. Seems like both sets of boxes have been ticked here. And after three messages... I just had this feeling of, I need to speak to this person. And so I said to her, I was like, hey, like, do you want to speak on the phone? And she was like, "Uh, okay. And that day we ended up speaking for six hours.
0: Wow.
1: We ended up speaking for six hours. Yeah. And it was the wildest. I felt like I knew her. Hmm. Like, I feel like I knew her. That was on the Wednesday. And she lives a hundred miles away. Oh. The Saturday. The Saturday she was at my place and she was there for like until Monday. And it's funny because this will say whatever it says about me. But previous to that, I wouldn't even let people stay over at my house. Like I I felt funny about it. <laughs> I like, like I couldn't sleep properly if there was someone sleeping mm-hmm. at my bed. And um but none of that was there and and honestly i opened the door and i saw her and i felt like it was love at first sight hmm. and was it like the day the day after two days after we're laying in bed and i'm thinking what the fuck is this because i feel like <laughs> i love this person <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on i'm like i don't even know her what is this mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, well, I actually feel like I can really show up as me. I feel like I'm really being seen. And then I was thinking, well, maybe love isn't just something that we exchange. Maybe love is like, maybe it is a state, a state in which we exist when we feel like we're being seen in our fullest. So when we feel Mm -hmm. like we can show up as ourselves, we enter into what we are and what we are is love.
0: Oh, fuck yeah.
1: And I was like, oh, maybe that's what's going on. Like we're, we're just in this kind of space where I'm showing up as me and she's seeing me and she's fully accepting me. And I'm able to have these weird esoteric conversations and I'm talking about probably another conversation in this, but two years ago when I had, I had no idea what channeling was and I ended up writing one specific day for two hours, which was none of my thoughts and it was all biblical and I'd never read a Bible and I didn't. Mm. And I was like, was this, um, <laughs> and so I'm telling her about all this stuff, which kind of weird, and uh, <laughs> and she's just like, this is amazing, like really into it. I'm like, I oh, could be me. Um, so I just felt this this real deep connection, um, and I would say actually, the last nine months, I have probably experienced the deepest transformations. I've, than I've ever experienced through all of my life before that. Mm. Um, so if that takes up to nine months ago, um, I, I would say that the next nine months is probably where the, the wildest stuff has unfolded, which has blown my mind in so many ways. So yeah, we're, we're there.
0: And that's just the beginning of your next seven-year cycle. Damn. Yes. I am living in such a parallel world to you Um, because again, I think my, my journey really maybe started in 2015, getting back into um, like courses on witchcraft and how to uh, utilize the energy that's around us all the time for good. And sort of at the end of 2022 was when I ended up, you know, in the Amazon with Hamilton and having this like full unlocking, just... Oh my God, and, and coming back and sitting with that and, and in the last sort of three months, um, figuring out what this path really is for me. And so it, it started essentially a new seven-year cycle of being like, oh, holy fuck, now it's everything I did before, but like the dial turned up. Yeah. And I also, I just recently met someone who's just this cosmically divine human. I met him on um, Instagram. And he was going live and I had been actually been following him for like a year. And I was listening to his voice and what he was talking about and the depth of these conscious topics. And I was like, who the fuck is this person? (laughs) I need to, I need to know this person and, um, just happened to be that, you know, that he was in LA and I'm like an hour South of Los Angeles. And I was like, uh, you want to, you want to be on my podcast? And he was like, yeah. And like gave me his number. And, and we ended up talking for like an hour that first time that resulted in him being like, okay, I think I'm going to come down there and get an Airbnb for like a week because I think you and I have a lot to talk about beyond the podcast and all these things to build together. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And, uh, Actually drove up there and met him the next day, and it was just instantly like, "Who are you who at where did you come from and into all the same things and um it's it's really only been not even three weeks right now, but we're also kind of quantum dating and just the depths at which um he's experiencing this unlocking from from me and our interactions and what he's helping me um unleashing myself and uh yeah the the ways that we've so authentically shown up with each other it like he's unlocking like my weirdness that's inherently in me that I usually feel so judged for and i'm it's it's like oh my god i'm more me than i've ever been and there's such a love and a beauty and a power to that that um i i hope never goes
1: away uh, honestly bara i think it's I think it's all our soul calls for. This is like the thing that really is my message to people um, because I've experienced it um, really over the last few months. So it felt as though when I met Kate, um, there was, it was really interesting. It's like our souls are connected and actually i believe they are and actually from my most recent ayahuasca experience they are and according to psychic readings that she's had they've they've all said that two things they said maybe like four different ones i should've seen they've all said oh yeah you two are soulmates and you've been together in past lives you've been mm-hmm. together in many lives before now and to the point of like oh that makes sense as to why when i saw her because i, I I really couldn't explain, like, what's going on, like, why, as soon as I saw her, it felt like, I love this person, and I know her, like, it really felt like that.
0: Yeah, I'll double down on that, too, like, and he's not my type, either, like, he's not who I would be like, that's the guy, but I look at him, and I'm like, you're just, he's so, the depths of his wisdom and knowledge is, and, you know, he is fit, and these things, but just so attractive to me that I'm like, I don't give a fuck that he's not my normal type, I fucking love this human.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, but but of course, of course, in the in life school we get given the things which also for me have been and for her have been really triggering, Um, Mm. but not through any type again not through any malevolence, but just through some of her wounds have really been highlighted by some of my. Um characteristics maybe and vice versa. Mm. But I think what's really interesting is we have both because we've, we've been able to hold space for each other. There's been so much healing take place because it's been like this perfect balance of it wasn't explosive. It hasn't been like that. So we could tell there's nothing intentional going on here. This is, this is a, this is a me thing that's coming up. Like what is this? And then, I've learned so much, and I, it felt like this intense feeling of of love, which hasn't diminished at all. And we we have actually, we, you know, we've separated at times because it got really intense at times. But even with that separation, I could just feel like this love's going nowhere. And I actually <laughs> remember thinking, like at, at one point, this was back in November, and it felt like we were both starting to suffer. Like it's like we we're slipping into unconscious, and we we're suffering, and. I actually asked, I just said, like, what am I meant to do here? And I, I, I got an answer external from me. And it, it said, if you were operating purely from love, what would you do right now?
0: Mm.
1: And that almost brought me out of this kind of like turmoil that I had. And I was like, if I was purely in the state of love, I would let this go so we can both heal because mm. right now and this is how i felt and it's interesting that you know hamilton's blue morpho is the you know is the butterfly but i remember when i had this awareness we spoke and i said right now we're both caterpillars in this relationship and we're behaving like caterpillars and i know that i want to be a butterfly, and i think we need to have some time apart so we can go into our cocoons and we can do the work we can do the healing so we can emerge as butterflies. Now, if only one of us emerges as a butterfly, I've never seen a butterfly hang out with a caterpillar. (laughs) Um, if, If we don't emerge that way, then, hey, maybe that is it. And I could just tell that, but from that place of separating, that I would still almost, I feel like, have an infinite love for her. But I could just see there was suffering going on, and I feel like trying to fix it whilst together... Would we'll be like trying to repl- repair an airplane engine whilst it's flying. Mm. I feel like, okay, let's let's bring this down to the ground. Let's let's have that space so we can do what we need to do on ourselves. And it was really interesting because from that place, I know when we had time apart, I was really thinking how much of the pain is because of what the reality was and how much of it was based upon my expectations of what I think should be happening and the story that I have around what I believe a relationship should be or what it should look like or what it should entail. And then I thought about that and I was like, well, that's interesting because I do believe it is more about my story and, and the expectations. And then I had the awareness of, I've got no fucking clue what a healthy relationship looks like. Hmm. I've not seen one. I didn't see one growing up, and I've not been a part of one. And then I was like, "So I'm trying my best here to imagine what a healthy relationship should be like, but it's from a it's from a skewed vision. It's, it's just from my own perspective. It's like I've I've seen a you know I've, I've seen a cake in a shop window, and if you put all the ingredients in front of me and say make the cake, I can have a go and guess." But if I put nine eggs in, in a bowl with a bit of milk, I'm going to make an omelette. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I felt like that's kind of was what was happening. It's like, I'm trying my best, but it still wasn't there. So I then really started thinking and looking into like, and it wasn't that we were way off, but it's like, no, no, I need to start looking at not from my perspective, but really start looking at what does healthy look like? Not what do I think is healthy? And start mm-hmm. looking externally, kind of for that, and um, and yeah, it's I mean, it's it's been it has been wild. There's definitely so much more going on than it just being a regular relationship. There's a real karmic thing there, um, and I, even though I've had an experience of channeling things, like I mentioned a couple of years ago, I still. Almost wrote that off as, like, well, that was kind of weird. I don't know what that was. Anyway, like, <laughs> kind of ignoring it. Um, and the psychic readings that she'd had, as well as them saying that her and I had been together in past lives, they all said that I was psychic. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool.
0: <laughs> and they're not really,
1: yeah, like, okay. I have a psychic. Um, and then I started thinking about it. And it's funny because I actually think I've always known it, but always just, I'd go to like the left brain and go to like logic and, and you know, like linear thinking. I'm like, oh, just coincidence that I would, you know, for like, for example, what was it, a year and a half ago, I was involved in a business where there were some things that happened, which you just couldn't guess, just couldn't guess. And I would get a feeling of like, I think this thing's happened. and I'd call one of the other directors and say, hey, I think this thing's happened. And he's like, no. I was like, I've got a feeling, man. I've just got a feeling in my gut that this thing's happened. He's like, it can't. Look. And then I'll call the other person. It's like, yeah, it happened this morning. And I'm like, he said, how do you know? I said, no idea. Just, and, and but those kind of things would happen often.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: would always just go, oh, that was a weird coincidence.
0: <laughs> no such thing as coincidences. <laughs> and
1: um, it wasn't until, you know, Kate would say to me more and more, like, you do know you are psychic, right? And I'm like, I mean, I've maybe got some good intuition about things. And she's like, no, no, like there's more going on. And I'm like, eh. Because even, you know, when her and I met, it's like, within the first weekend of his meeting, I was pointing things out. I'm like, hey, are you aware of this, this, and this? And it's like, she'd been in, like, relationships for, like, years before, and, like, no one had ever noticed these things. And she's like, oh. really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and that was one of the things for her was I was just, like, seeing through her like she was a, you know, a glass of water. I was just mm. seeing through, her, like, everything um which you know brought up things for a, a lot of things for her and um so so yeah so like this kind of psychic thing and I I've really kind of figured out that I've got to believe it to see it and I've started leaning into it more and over the last I apologize to the people watching this because I've been a bit scattered in this story. It's been a bit all over the place. In the timelines have been bounced around everywhere. There's just a lot. But, um, November last year, when we were going through that separation, I also sat in nature and I said to God, I said, God, what are we meant to be doing? And just in case I have to clarify this, I don't mean like the dogmatic God, the man in the sky with the beard. I mean, the, the divine, you know, right. and, um, And I just got a really clear answer back. And it it said, you know what you're meant to be doing. You know, you've you've ignored this for so much of your life. And I know that I've always had this thing where I'd speak to people and people would just open up to me. Mm -hmm. From a young age, young, young age, 12. You know, my friend, uh, my first memory was we were 12 years old. Her younger brother who was nine died. And her parents would say like, she would only talk to you about it. And the amount of times that would happen, where I'd, even I'd, I'd meet, you know, strangers out on, you know, in a bar, at the gym, and people would tell, tell me things, where they would say to me, "I remember this one woman in, in Dubai in a bar was." She started like opening up, and she was crying. And she said, "I've not even told my husband this,"
0: hmm.
1: and these things would happen just so much. And this thing that came back to me was you know what you're meant to be doing you've been putting this off for so long you know you've got a deeper calling and I got told that I've got to do the podcast and that I need to start guiding people through all the stuff that I've kind of like through everything I've learned and experienced but the thing that I was told is I've got to show up as me and it's like it was like no more hiding Mm. and I was told that I've, I've got to go and reclaim these parts of me and it's like I've had this kind of crazy crash course since then, which then coincided with my most recent ayahuasca journey, which was all about that. It took me into, I could physically feel like my sacral chakra, like vibrating. And mm-hmm. and then since then, I've, I feel like i have just showing up as me. And because even like for two, nearly three years before, I'd not been on social media. I didn't really want to be seen. I did You know, like being heard, I've always had a thing around that for whatever reason. And um. And honestly, it's the most liberating thing. Like I feel like I can just show up as me. And not only can I just show up as me, but I realize that my gift to humanity lies in me being me in my entirety. Like I know I've got so much love to give that I just held back for so long. I felt like it couldn't come out. And I've I've always been a like a super caring and compassionate person, but When I think about like in my 20s, that kind of like hyper masculine version of like egoic me, like, oh man, God, poor, poor me. Like, I was not allowing myself (laughs) to come to the party at all. And I really, I really feel like that is, I feel like it's all, all of us, all our soul wants is to be expressed. You know, we entered into this body and through whatever reason, things that have happened, things we've experienced, we feel like we're not worthy or we're not good enough to show up in our entirety and I can only show certain parts of me. And I just feel so many people, I just see it all the time and I see the pain and it, it, it does break my heart when I think about it. And I just, I feel like, allow me, like allow me to try and guide you through this kind of reconnection because for me, everything I've done, all the stuff I've done through 20 years of like self-development and trying to get to a point of feeling okay, the key was always me. Mm. It was just actually going, no, it's okay to be me. It's Mm. okay. But really feeling it. And not actually, not only is it okay, it's imperative that I'm me. And it's imperative that you're you and you're never going to have the regret. You know, if you get to your final hours of life, you're not going to think, why wasn't I more like this person or why wasn't I more like that person? The only regret you ever truly going to have is like, why wasn't I just me?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Why did I go through my life thinking like that wasn't okay?
0: Absolutely. I think dropping into our authenticity unlocks those deeper layers of love within us as well because the less that you're judging yourself the less you're judging others and the more love you have for yourself and and all the parts of you the more love you can give to others and share with others and so i think you've just said that so beautifully (laughs) thank you thank you so much for sharing that story
1: it it was a lot and i kind of went all around like in every direction
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love it i was following though (laughs) And so, you know, that sort of brings us around to how does this, you know, work in um funnel into the work that you do, or how can my listeners, um, if they love what you've said today, how can they work with you?
1: Yeah. So at the moment I'm I'm building out a a platform, but right now I'm I'm mainly doing one to one guidance. And I mean, I, I know I've said a lot, so you think, how could I possibly have m- missed anything out? But um, I, as I've kind of lent into the belief that actually I have got more going on here than just an understanding of things, that I do get strong feelings. I get really strong sensations in my body now. And it's actually in my chakras. And it's what's going on for the person that I'm speaking to. And. You know, like, for example, if if there's a, a sense of identity, kind of inner conflict going on, I will, I'll literally feel a tightness in my solar plexus where I, I almost feel like a slight anxiety mm. here. And I'm, I'm aware, and I know it's not mine, or, you know, the, I was doing a, a a session with somebody a couple of nights ago, and I'm feeling like a tightness in my throat to the point where I'm having, I'm having to do this and actually touch my own throat. And I I say, hey, are you feeling anything here? And he said, yeah, a load. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go into that. Mm -hmm. So I'll actually feel what's going on in my body for um, what's going on for them. And then we'll go into what that is. And so that's, that's kind of like interesting. I think something that when I do one-on-one work with people that is somewhat unique, but then I actually have recent, the channeling has started happening at, oh, upon asking so if if i actually ask something and close my eyes and just give myself 5 seconds i feel like i start to get an answer where it's not from me at all which is mm. wild because sometimes i literally don't know what the next word is that's going to come out of my mouth um and i mean i was doing a session with somebody the other day and he almost had like a satori moment on the call um where he, he said, like, I don't understand what, he, he literally went, I feel like something is, my heart just opens, and then he, I like, went to this almost, like, euphoric state. It almost looked like he was on psychedelics. Mm. And wow. and I'm kind of observing, going, whoa, okay, this is interesting. Wow. This is really... <laughs> um, and it's giving me goosebumps. Yeah, it, it, and he was saying to me, he's like, he's like, I don't know what you've done. He said, I've never felt this. He's like, I feel so much love for myself. I've never experienced this. And he's messaging me after like with so much gratitude. And as he's feeling it though, what was wild is I'm feeling it as well. And mm. I said to him, I said, I said, just put your hands here. And he put his hands on his own chest. He was like, Oh my God, my body feels so good to touch. And
0: <laughs> I said,
1: Can you feel that in your hands? He was like, Yeah, it feels like electric's flowing, like electricity's flowing through me. Um so again, as always, it's a long answer to a simple question from you. Um, so at the minute, I'm mainly doing like one-on-one, um, whilst I'm building out the self-discovery school, which is actually going to be. Uh, I asked, and I've, I've been told I need to create a, a course, which is channeled. Mm. So I'm just going to kind of have that faith in in the in this connection I have with Source, where I'm going to do the recordings on basically doing guidance for people of how to work through the chakras and actually do the reclamation of a lot of these abandoned parts of us, how to reclaim them, how to then create a solid sense of identity of who you are based upon reclaiming the abandoned parts, not who you are fragmented, who you are in your entirety, then go into the heart, learning how to have absolute love for who you are, giving that love outwards and then kind of going up to the vision of what do you actually want based upon true alignment with your soul, your soul in its fullest. What do you want from there? Not Mm -hmm. what do you want from the place of feeling fragmented and broken and not enough. And if I have these things, I'll feel a little bit better, which is the trap that I ran for years.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So um, yeah, the best places to find me are instagram which is lost underscore found wisdom or sabri gazelle which is my full name and my youtube um you know i've got a podcast on there sabri gazelle lost and Found. but you know instagram is probably the best place um to find me right now or Sabrigazelle.com. so any one of those um and you know i i just feel like anyone who feels called to it or if they feel anything energetically just to reach out and I actually offer everybody a session together for free to begin with and I feel like I have to say this because I know in the space it's kind of prominent that first call is actually a sales call and my pledge is it's not a sales call like it really is let's do a thing let's do a session together because I want to connect with as many people as possible and there's absolutely zero obligation in doing anything together after that if i can offer i just want to offer as much value as i can and i know mm. that the right people the right people will just want to then continue deepening our relationship working together thereafter um yeah and i know that some will and some won't and that's and, and the ones that will it is because that's perfect and the ones that won't that's also perfect
0: right <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh gosh you have me kind of selfishly wanting to be now like well, have you been tapped into my energy this whole time what uh do you feel anything over here
1: it's interesting because actually i've I've got to a, a kind of a core cool point where i I'm, I'm able to kind of switch on and off to a degree which is helpful yeah you'd have to be because when you can't and this was actually something i used to experience and this is where i really cut it off years ago it's because I, I used to get that a lot and I felt like it was overwhelming speaking to people because I felt like I was getting these downloads and loads of stuff that was going on and I felt like I couldn't have a normal interaction with the person without kind of like feeling all this stuff. So mm. at some point I actually kind of chopped it off and it's only over the last more several months that I've really allowed this back in, but I seem to be able to navigate and control it a lot better.
0: Hmm. Well, wonderful, it's, it sounds like a very beautiful practice and I may jump on one of those free free sessions. Oh, I'd love to, it, it'd be amazing, yeah. You. Yeah, um, honestly, and we'll have, Good.
1: I was gonna say, honestly, it, I, I genuinely feel like it's it's what I'm on this planet for. Um, I really do have that belief.
0: Mm. Well, I love and honor that about you, my fellow light worker. And um, yeah, we'll have all of those links linked up in the show notes. And again, I, I deeply honor the, the journey you've been on and the suffering you endured and the deep work that you did to be able to navigate the darkness and find the light and to share that gift with the world. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. and Thank you for everything you're doing and for having me. And I'm looking forward to having you on mine.
0: Yeah, that'll be coming up. <laughs> so thank you so much thank you Barrett. thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and review this podcast wherever you're listening I'm so grateful to have you on this journey with me until next time